0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My lovely wife, Lindy, is mad for Mont Blanc. She just loves that mountain. Whenever she sees it, it makes her day. And whenever it's shrouded in mist, Well, to be honest, she's a bit down. Mont Blanc. And as a keen and committed photographer, she's eager to capture on camera the glorious vista of the Alps in general, and in particular, the grandeur that is Mont Blanc. And she has photographed it from all angles. From a hotel balcony near Chamonix, from Chateau de Pont, from right in the very heart of the mountains but the truth is the truth is no matter how good the photograph is no matter how brilliantly the shafts of sunlight on the snow are caught the truth is the camera never does it justice the picture is always smaller less impressive does not match the astonishing reality of the mountains. Barbara Brown Taylor is a wonderful writer, preacher and thinker. And over the years I've been inspired by her books. I'm grateful for her ability to stir the mind, to find just a telling phrase, the seed of an idea, a gentle nudge in one direction and another that opens up into something deep and productive, creative or perplexing. I recommend her books. And a phrase from her most recent book, Holy Envy, intrigued and stimulated me. At one point in her discussion of other faiths, she reminds us that we should never forget that the lens is not the landscape. The lens is not the landscape what you see through the lens only to the very slightest degree portrays the landscape, conveys the beauty. The camera does lie. It cannot do justice to the full vision before us. And she offers that metaphor to us as a polite reminder that we have to accept the limitations of Of our understanding and our perceptions. The limitation of our understanding and our perceptions. And that's true when we think about the way the world stands. The ideas we get about how the world is through the media. The confusion and the craziness. The shallness and the stupidities. The vanities all presented to us for our consideration, but that is no more the whole truth about our human experience or our world than what we see when we squint with our eye pressed against the viewfinder of our camera to find the towering majesty of the Alps. We see snapshots, slivers of time and history, and what's presented to us comes nowhere near the whole truth, the big picture, the real world. As it's given to us through the viewfinder of the media, we seldom see much evidence of the kindnesses and the sacrifices and the nobility and the honour and the human dignity and grandeur that are all around us everywhere and every day, heroes and heroines. But those things don't very often merit the close attention of the news editors. With their salacious hunger for the violent, the desperate, the negative, the shallow and the transient, what's entertaining is always more important to them than the crucial. What we see on screen or read in the pages of the newspapers The highly edited pages of the press is no more the truth about our human story than even the best photograph is the sunset splashed across the evening sky. That reality is grander and finer and more worthy of our sense of wonder and our response of humility than even the best picture by the most skilled photographer. That's equally true of the distortion created when you watch great sporting events on television. The World Cup final, the Open Golf, Wimbledon. It's fine to watch, it's great to see, but it's not the truth. It's not the reality of being there. The experience is edited for you. Someone else chooses what you see, whether it's what you want to see or not. They choose it, and you get what you're given. And they turn up the volume of the background noise of the crowd... ...and there's the hyped up excitement of the commentator... ...but it's not the whole truth. When you're there, when you're in the experience... ...it's different. When you're up close and personal... ...engaged, existentially, caught up in the moment... ...when you are in the landscape... ...you realise how different it is. You understand that however sharp the detail... ...of the high definition camera... The lens is not the landscape. There's more going on than Sky TV can show you. More to experience and feel and appreciate it. The TV is, is partial and selective and distorted. The truth, the truth is something else. And that applies to how we see people. Samuel, in the passage we read, takes in the swagger of Jesse's sons. Look at that fellow! Surely he must be the one to, to be king. He looks so regal. And, and here's this ruddy-cheeked shepherd boy with a mischievous grin. Who would you pick? But says the Bible, God looks on the heart, not on the externals. That's why it's easy to walk by, walk by saints on the high street. The lens is not the landscape. Our first impressions are not always accurate as we respond to other people. How they look, how they speak, what makes them tick. Are they fat? Are they thin? Are they tall? Are they small? Are they black? Are they white? We bring all the distortions of our social background, our westernness, our Africanness, our Americanness, and it skews our way of looking the particular tint to our cultural spectacles. And we reach conclusions about people that can be neither true nor helpful. The combined distortions of the way we look at them and the disguises they are wearing mean we can miss the true picture. Our reaction to their clothes or their accent. And we need to adjust and understand what we are seeing. Our reactions through the narrow lens of our Prejudices doesn't do justice to those people any more than looking through the tiny lens of our viewfinder does justice to that field of sunflowers. The lens is not the landscape. And there are depths and there is richness and wisdom and pain far more than we can detect with our superficial responses to the externals in that person in our office or that we work beside, or sitting on the train beside us, or that neighbour or that stranger. The lens is not the landscape and humility is well in order. And if that's true about how we see people and how we think we understand where they're coming from and who they really are, and if that's true how partial and prejudiced and just plain wrong we can be in our thinking about them and if we read people wrong with such tragic frequency how much more humility do we need when we begin to talk about God when we lay too strong a claim on our imagined grasp of his nature character and purpose there we are with all our creeds and our catechisms and our confessions of faith And our certainties. The sheer arrogance of 300 bishops gathered in Nicaea in 325 AD to define the nature of God. And drop a creed to express that. The arrogance of that. As if that's going to happen. Or Westminster Divines in 1646 gathering to draw up some definitive declaration of the character of God. That takes some nerve. That takes some serious ego. And not much of a sense that you're really trying to do the impossible here. It's as if there's an ant somewhere in the ground there trying to explain who we are. What chance? A bit of humility would not go astray. A proper humility would advise us of the partial, inadequate, and fundamentally doomed exercise of human brains presuming to capture and contain the divine nature. If poetry falls apart, how naked and fragile is raw prose going to be? When it comes to encapsulating the infinities of God's being and his love. We can look through the lens of our ingenious theological constructions and formulations. But we are well advised never to mistake the lens for the landscape. Mix up the theology with the truth. Confuse our attempts to speak about God With the God about whom we're attempting to speak. We use these words for a reason wisdom unsearchable, God the invisible, Lord of infinity, love indestructible, unsearchable, ineffable, mysterious, unknowable. We are not embarrassed by such a God. In fact, we know that only a God like that, wisdom unsearchable, God the invisible, Lord of infinity, we know that only a God like that is worth having. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.